Welcome to another episode of the PPC Show, where we interview the best and brightest in paid marketing. I'm your host, J.D. Prater, Director of Growth Marketing at AdStage. And we're back after taking a few weeks off for conference season. We attended three different conferences over the last three weeks, and we're finally back to our normal schedule. So for this week, I'm joined by Nate Velasquez, PPC Account Manager at Seer Interactive, to talk about the explosive growth of AdWords shopping campaigns. Did you know that shopping campaign spend has increased 40% year over year in Q1 and has accounted for over 60% of retailer search clicks according to the latest Merkle report? With that type of growth, we need to understand how to set up our shopping campaigns to get the best results. With that said, let's get to the show. Nate, welcome to the PPC show. Yeah, JD, thanks for having me. Uh, Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. So uh, for those that don't know, Nate and I connected at a hero conf. He was there. Uh, he was actually attending my session. And I said at the end, Hey, if you guys are interested in coming on the show, come on up and talk. And Nate was the very first person that walked up and said, Hey, I want on. So Nate, tell the, tell the listeners, you know, who you are and uh, what you got going on. Yeah, definitely. So first off, great session. Um, you know, I think a lot of the speakers at hero conference are veterans. So it's always great hearing from you guys in the space. Um, personally took a lot out of your sessions, so really looking forward to implementing some of those, uh, connecting the tactics to the different pipelines. Um, yeah, you know, so I've been at SEER about a year and a half, close to 20 months. Um, I've mostly focused on lead gen and e-com clients, so I uh, really have a, a good amount of experience there. Actually, um, I just got a memory on my, my Facebook timeline that about four years ago today, I launched my e-commerce website. And I launched my e-commerce website while I was still in school, trying to make some money on the side. Didn't really work out the way that I wanted to, but if I had launched it with all the knowledge that I have now, I'm sure it would be a much different story. So I I definitely feel a lot of um, retailers' pains when it comes to performance for shopping campaigns. So that's where a lot of my experience comes from, yeah. Very nice. And yeah, so for those listening, we've had Sear on, uh, we've had Gil on uh, almost a year now. We had Safe on back around November, December time. He, and he was talking to us some really cool stuff and how he's using analytics to basically score people on these behaviors. So now uh, Nate's going to come on and talk to us about some explosive AdWords shopping growth, which uh, he was able to kind of share some stats and they were kind of staggering. So Nate, man, like what, what are we seeing over here with when we talk about AdWords shopping campaigns? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think most, you know, account managers or people in house can tell that, you know, AdWords is growing year over year in terms of cost and and spend. Um, So just looking at a report from Merkle, um, about 76% of retail search spend uh, comes from shopping campaigns. So uh, the actual PLAs as opposed to the text ads, which is pretty significant. Um, When you look at some of the different aspects of shopping campaigns, so when you look at fashion and apparel, right, they spend much more on shopping campaigns as opposed to text ads about 84.6%. And then for another popular uh, segment here is the consumer electronics, which spend actually a little bit more around 86.1%. So the the way that Google is serving up ads for, for retailers has definitely shifted towards shopping campaigns over the past couple of years. And um, you know, I think a lot of us in the space are, have noticed that and have reacted accordingly. Yeah, I mean, one of the ones on there that kind of got me, uh, again, part of that Merkle was like, uh, there was a 40% increase in spend year over year in Q1 of 2018. So that's like, 
that's a huge number when we kind of think about where people are spending, where they're kind of putting their time. Do you think that a lot of this was uh, really Google, you know, messing with how they actually serve the ads, where they're placing the ads, or do you just really think like, hey, you know, retailers are finding great results and so they're putting more money behind it and they're really kind of uh, getting that ROI that they're looking for? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Personally, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that when you're trying to actually buy a product, you like to see the image, you like to see the description, right? You like some of those product attributes that you can't normally get from a text ad. So I would imagine that Google AdWords has seen better performance on shopping campaigns and started to serve PLAs at a higher rate compared to, to text ads and advertisers have responded accordingly. That would be my best guess on that. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, it's, it's really great to kind of see that. So, uh, you know, taking all that, right, increase in clicks, increase in spend, that's how, you know, people want to shop. So what can we do as advertisers to make sure that we're, you know, really putting the best foot forward when we think about creating those shopping campaigns? Yeah, that's, that's a, a great place to start. So I think when it comes to the shopping campaigns, the most important thing to remember is that um, all of your product attributes come from your product feed, right? So, you know, there's no keywords for shopping campaigns. So the only way that AdWords will know what products to serve based on different queries is from the attributes on your product feed. So I think that's step one. I think step one for most retailers should be uh, take a look at their product feed, see what attributes are there, ensuring that, you know, they have all the required attributes to run shopping campaigns. Then obviously look to provide some of those additional attributes that aren't necessarily required, but definitely would give you an advantage when it comes to searchability, when it comes to um, being eligible for the, the shopping section on Google, and just having better results against your competitors. I'd say the product feed should be the number one place to start. Nice. And whenever you're thinking through like product feeds, do you have any like favorite tools that you guys, you know, that you're using or anything to like pull those? Because it, it's one thing when you have a couple of hundred and you can easily maintain it in a spreadsheet, but when you've got, you know, tens of thousands, millions of products, how do you guys uh, work through that and think through it? <laughs> yeah. So um, I think it depends on the retailer. I know that, you know, a lot of the clients that we work with here at SEER, um, a lot of them use third party vendors to manage their feeds. Um, there's some really great tools out there. Obviously it can get a little expensive. Some of them charge by the SKU. So if you've got tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of SKUs, it's definitely going to get pretty expensive. But I think you need to think about it like this. Would you rather invest in a third-party platform that helps you manage your feed for you and they have all the technical knowledge and all the expertise, probably a faster lead time as opposed to hiring someone internal who would have to make all those changes to the feed, who would have to diagnose everything themselves and you might deal with some, some lag or some lead time internally. So I think um, you know, whether you're working with a client or whether you're in-house, you need to weigh those costs accordingly and, and see where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Either go third-party or hire someone dedicated internally. Yeah, that's also one of those things too when you think about uh, what you're doing from eight to five, five days a week. I don't think I want to be that guy that's managing a feed in a spreadsheet all day, every day. So, yeah. And, and to that point, you know, I've, I've worked with some clients over the past couple of months where they weren't using a feed management tool and, you know, to get them to update their titles or to update descriptions or to add different attributes to the feed, it would take weeks you know we, we usually talk to our clients once a week and every week it's hey how's the product feed going and they say simply it's going 
So uh, just, just on the frustration side, you might want to explore those options too. I know that a lot of people in-house probably deal with those, um, those issues on their end. <laughs> yeah, you kind of mentioned this and I wanted to get your, your take on this. Uh, do you have any tips for you know, titles or descriptions, you know, how you guys think about optimizing those? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when it comes to titles, generally the longer the better, right? Um, I've, I've looked at some product feeds where the, the title is just, you know, like a, a generic shirt. It might be like bro t-shirt or something like that. That doesn't tell me what this t-shirt is, what the attributes are, what color it is, what size it is, who's it even for. So it's just one of the things we always preach here at Sears is try to add as many attributes to your title as, as reasonable. You know, you certainly don't want to keyword stuff, but if, um, if I have that same t-shirt, that bro t-shirt, and I rename the title with something along the lines of men's bro t-shirt, medium, gray, and then if it's, uh, if it's a brand t-shirt, I would add the brand name in as well. Those titles tend to perform much better than shorter titles, which don't have much product attributes. So that's the way that I, I would think about it. If you see an ad on the search results and you type in a specific iPhone model number, you know, you're probably pretty close to the bottom of the funnel. You're more likely to click on an ad that has the same uh, product attributes that you search for as opposed to, you know, generic iPhone 6 title, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's, that, those are all really good tips. I think those are the things that we all kind of geek out on of, you know, where do I put this information? How do I put it? And just really trying to figure out the best way to source it, but also make sure that we're writing the right things. So cool, man. So let's just say, you know, we've got our product feed where we've got it uh, connected to our merchant center account. We're like ready to start some campaigns. Like how do you kind of think through segmenting whenever you're going through those products? Yeah, that's a great question. I can speak to this not only from my, my small time experience as someone who ran an e-commerce website, but also as an advertiser. Uh, use your website navigation. It's, it's by far one of the easiest ways to start. You know, most retail e-commerce websites have, you know, men's products, women's products, shoes, accessories, or, or whatever it may be. Um, I would recommend starting with their site navigation. I'm sure your product feed is probably broken up pretty similarly. So start with one uh, division of your products. You know, maybe it's just men's t-shirts or maybe it's just accessories. Um, get, all those, get all those products uploaded to the Merchant Center. You know, ensure there's no disapprovals. Ensure that all your products are, are being pulled in the correct way. And then once you have all that set up, pop over to AdWords, get a shopping campaign set up. Um, I like to personally break out my shopping campaigns you know, into different ad groups. Um, you know, some, some e-commerce managers will just use an all-products one. I'm more of a fan of breaking it out at the ad group level. So if we stick with our t-shirts example, um, I'm sorry, our men's uh, apparel example, it might be men's t-shirts as one ad group, men's shorts as another ad group, uh, you know, different training gear. So it might be, you know, rash guards or sports apparel, um, men's accessories, and kind of break it out that way. And then from, from there, once you actually have those, those sub-products broken out, you can look to add you know, different product groups, um, exclude certain product groups. So this is where a lot of the, the segmentation shopping really becomes pretty powerful when you start excluding different product groups. So again, with the men's apparel example, if I have a, a t-shirt ad group, I'm probably going to want to exclude shorts, fitness apparel, accessories, everything along those lines. 
And then um, if you want to get even deeper, and this is where you know a lot of e-commerce managers are really going to nerd out, uh, add those custom labels. Mm-hmm. So if custom labels are added to the product feed, and they can be broken out in a bunch of different ways. Some of the more popular ways are to break it out into top versus bottom sellers, uh, seasonality. So you might have a bunch of products with a custom label of spring or a custom label of summer or something along those lines. Uh, you can also break it out by price. So a lot of retailers will have price points as their custom labels. They might be you know, $19.99 and below, and then $20 to $49.99, and $50 to $99.99, or whatever your price tiers are. That allows you excuse me, to go into the, the product groups and set different bids for products that might have a higher average order value. So you can have them serve a little bit ahead of the products that, you know, maybe you still want to sell, but they don't give you as much of a margin, if that all makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good, those are some really good tips. So um, for those that didn't quite catch it, so segmentation, you know, definitely start like having a plan first. Do you, whenever you kind of think through your plan of how you're setting up your campaign and campaigns in your ad groups, are you, uh, do you like create like a map you know, like in like in maybe like using spreadsheets just so you can kind of map everything or are you guys just kind of using the product feed once you're in there to create as you go? It definitely varies, but I'm a big fan of using like a, a map, something as simple as a, as a short Excel with, you know, this, this, these are all the products that we want to include in this campaign. These are all the sub products and stuff. We want to break everything out. It makes a nice visual for your boss or for your client, for whoever it is. That way everyone's on the same page about how things are going to be broken out. I find it to be pretty helpful. Yeah. Nice. And for those like just getting started, you were talking about like starting small, like, um, like what, what do you mean by like small, just like a subset of products and then kind of scale from there or like start small with like bidding or budgets. How do you kind of think through that? I think it depends on, you know, what your immediate goals are. Now we're, now we're in the middle of Q2. So now's a pretty good time to test. You know, if we were in Q4, I would, I would not recommend testing at all. That's when a lot of e-commerce, uh, you know, businesses make a majority of their money. So Q4 should be smooth sailing, ensuring that you have budget, ensuring that you have full visibility on all your products. But, you know, now that we're in Q2, you might want to start off with a particular, uh, product subset. So looking at t-shirts or, you know, if you just launched a new spring line or a new summer line, that might be a good place to start. Um, You know, you could also look at testing out different automated bidding rules. You know, we've been exploring lots of automation here at SEER, whether it's target ROAS or target CPA. Um, So you can definitely expand that way as well. Maybe look to set up a new campaign, set the budget you know, a little bit on the lower end, depending on, you know, how much your monthly budget's going to be. And then look to set up some automated rules. Definitely give it enough of a learning period. You know, I think sometimes, you know, some of us e-commerce managers will freak out if we don't see our ROAS above what our goals are within the first couple of days. Uh, but I think you need to let those automated rules learn. So whether it's target ROAS or target CPA, uh, give it about three to four weeks to, to learn. I know that sounds like a long period, but like I said, this is what you test in Q2. Get those learnings so that you can use them in Q4. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one for everyone listening is if you're going to be using realistically like these AI tools, like when you think about target ROAS, think about target ROI, and you're thinking about these bidding algorithms, they need time. They need data to really understand and to deliver. I remember back in agency days, 
uh, we were working with one of the big, you know, bidding algo um, vendors out there. And they said, well, we need at least six weeks to learn. And then we need like six weeks to optimize. So you're like, wait, 12 weeks? Like I have to wait a whole quarter before you're going to be good at like knowing what's going on. And it was kind of eye opening to kind of hear because you just, again, maybe it's just me thinking, oh, this is only going to take like a day or two, right? <laughs> you guys are so good that you guys will get it figured out. But yeah, it's a tough one. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, one thing that I will point out is if you're using the new AdWords UI, um, I believe Carrie Albright actually mentioned this during her talk at PPC Hero, and I was literally digging in during the, the talk and I was able to see this and it was pretty mind blowing. If you navigate to your portfolio bid strategies, you can actually see how fast your rule has been learning. So obviously, you know, you would want to make sure that you have the, the right amount of time, but there will be a nice little bar that shows up underneath your performance. And the new AdWords UI will give you some cues as to saying, hey, it's still learning, some of the budgets are constrained, you might want to open them up, or hey, there was a composite change to the rule, whether you, you know, set a, a bid max ceiling or a bid minimum floor, it'll let you know when those updates were made on the rule and how much longer it needs to learn. So that's one of the features from the new UI that I actually really like. Yeah, that, that, that's another great tip as well. Um, and I guess we have to give some kind of applause to the new UI because this is the one, you know, one of the things that they did really well. But um, that is something that I've definitely taken a look at. And I, I do think it's important whenever you make a change to then you have to realize it has to relearn from that change. Mm -hmm. so if you're in there trying to make changes every day or you're trying to, uh, you're basically a messing with that algorithm's learning curve. And so a lot of times you just need to make a change, wait and see what happens. And that's the, the, that's the wait part that everyone kind of struggles with when you're in there trying to control everything. Definitely. Yeah. I, I've run into this problem before myself. You know, you set up a new rule and performance tanks. Um, I'm more of a fan of just removing the automated rule and managing it manually, getting it back at the performance that you would like. And then you know, applying the rule again. So, you know, just for example, back in Black Friday, this past Q4, we had a lot of automated rules set up. Uh, we planned way ahead of time for Black Friday, so we already knew we wanted to do this, but we paused our automated rules on Black Friday and on Cyber Monday so we can manage all of our bidding manually. And we saw some really, really great results. I mean, compared to the previous Black Friday, I, I don't want to use any exact numbers here, but I know that we crushed our ROAS out of the park. Revenue was crushed out of the park. The client was really happy. We certainly put in a lot of time, but to see those results, we were, we were very pleased. Yeah. And then that's another good one too, is like actually like prepping for, for Q4, whenever you actually think about it. I mean, you've mentioned it twice now. It's like actually having a plan for shopping like that time of the season when most e-com are actually making the most amount of money. So don't just start doing it in uh, late October, early November, but really, really <laughs> start thinking about it now and trying to figure that part out. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, not only do we have Cyber Monday, now we have Cyber Monday extended. So a lot of those deals run to that Tuesday as well. Sometimes you have the pre-Black Friday deals. So for us in Ecom, it's pretty much Black Friday, Cyber Monday week or month, depending on what deals are running. Uh, yeah, absolutely having a plan in place. Um, you know, you should start thinking about what your Q4 plan is going to be around August, to be quite frank. Um, you should definitely have some strategies in place, how you want to manage bidding in place, uh, 
coverage, so whether it's in-house or the account team, just ensuring that someone's keeping an eye on performance over the weekend, on that Saturday after Black Friday, on that Sunday after Black Friday, into the Cyber Monday week as well. Um, really just communicating everything ahead of time to either your internal team or your client that, hey, not only do we have a documented plan in place, but this is going to help us hit the goals that we want to hit. Definitely. And you mentioned some like really great, you know, positive results. So now uh, let, let's talk about some fun stuff. Like what are some like mistakes that you've seen, you know, yourself make or your team make or your clients make when it comes to shopping campaigns? Sure. So I think one of the easiest uh, oversights when it comes to shopping campaigns is how you're handling your device bidding. Um, you know, some retailers will see really good performance on mobile and, and some others won't. Uh, I've definitely made the uh, the error in the past of kind of keeping all my bids neutral at, at a bid of zero, and then you launch a campaign, and a week later, and you know mobile's eating up seventy five percent of your budget, and you're way below your ROAS goals, and and then you go and you look at your device results, and you're like, oh well, looks like we need to bid down on mobile. So I would say definitely pay attention to your device bids, um, and then obviously. You know, as, as you mentioned a couple of times, Q4 is a really big deal. So just making sure that you have full visibility during the day. So if you have any day partying set up or if you have any, you know, uh, day of the week bidding set up, just ensure that you have full coverage so that, you know, if you're bidding, let's say, negative 33% on a Monday, that maybe you take that off the week before Black Friday. So you have full visibility and reach as many people as possible. Um, those are some of the mistakes that I've made in the past and I've definitely learned from those. Nice, nice. Well, let's kind of like shift gears here um, around what uh, AdWords has actually released for shopping, right? So they've released some new products, um, like one example here being the, the, the showcase. So what are some of the things that you've been excited about over the, maybe like the last year or so, what they've released and some of the things that you think people should really be jumping on? Mm -hmm. So yeah, the showcase shopping campaigns have worked really well. Um, I, I've run them myself and it's particularly more of a brand awareness play for at least the experience that I saw. You know, we didn't necessarily hit our ROAS goals on that campaign, but it did contribute to an increase in conversions for our shopping campaigns overall. I know some other CR team members have seen some pretty similar results too. So, you know, for those who are unfamiliar with the showcase shopping campaign, it's, it's almost a, a showcase for your products at the brand level. So you're going to need a dedicated image as opposed to using uh, images from your product feed, but you know, getting a dedicated image from your design team or your, your agency shouldn't be too much of a problem. And then you pretty much show uh, a sh literally a showcase for your products. So if you're selling men's t-shirts, you might show an image of a couple t-shirts you provide a final URL for someone to go on that landing page and actually take a look at those products. So uh, the showcase shopping campaigns have worked really well. And actually one other release that just came out was uh, shoppable actions. It's still technically in beta. So I haven't gotten a chance to explore this yet, but basically it's, um, uh, it's on a cost per sale model and it would integrate with some of the voice search stuff that Google's doing with their, their Google Assistant and Google Home. There's a blog post that um, I'll share with, with those who are interested in from the AdWords blog, but I'd say this is going to increase pretty significantly later this year, maybe more so into 2019. I think a lot of us still have to quite nail down what we're doing with voice search. You know, there's, there's still a lot of... Um, a lot of thought that has to go into that, but voice search is definitely growing. And you know, if you have the abilities and you have the capabilities, you might want to 
contact your Google rep to learn more about that. It's called uh, Shoppable Actions. Nice. And I'll make sure to uh, link that in the show notes so you guys can have access to that blog as well. So let's kind of uh, think through. So we know that Google's big conference is coming up here, uh, I think at the end of May. You know, what are some things that you think they might announce? You know, this is us looking into our crystal ball, if you will. Like, what are some things that you would hope they might announce within this conference for specifically around like the shopping e-commerce world? That's a pretty good question. Off the top of my head, I, I don't really have any ideas into what they might be releasing or announcing. I know that you know they put a lot of time into their, their smart bidding platforms, especially over the last year, um, really just doubling down on AI and machine learning for target ROAS and for target CPA. So uh, you know they might release some new smart bidding option. Maybe it'll be cost per sale, or the, I'm sorry, the pay per sale model, which is what they have for this new beta. Um, I'd be a little hesitant to try that out myself, but uh, anything's worth a test, right? Nice. Nice. I mean, if you could um, have them announce or develop anything, you got anything on your wish list? If, if AdWords is listening right now, what, do you, what would it be like on your wish list? Ooh, okay. So if they were listening right now, I would love to see some way to actually view the product feeds in the Merchant Center. I know you can download them, but some clients uh, or, you know, your in-house, if you're in the in-house, you really shouldn't run into this problem. But if you're working with a client, you might not have direct access to their feed through whatever reason. Uh, being able to actually view the feed in the Merchant Center would be very, very helpful. It's something that, you know, I wish we could have yesterday. Um, I know that you'll get Merchant Center warnings and you'll get disapprovals and it'll give you, you know, some line items, but uh, actually being able to view the feed in the Merchant Center would be huge. So if we could get that today, that would be great. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, uh, let's kind of wrap up here with kind of thinking through, you know, with, we talked about the, this explosive growth of AdWords shopping. You know, if you could leave all of the people listening here with like maybe one, two bits of good advice or nuggets, like what, what advice would you leave them with? Sure. So I would absolutely say use negatives. That's the number one takeaway that I would absolutely recommend. Um, so if we go back to our, our men's products example, um, if I have my men's t-shirts ad group, you know, not only should I exclude those other products at the product group level, but I should add negatives for tank tops if I'm not selling tank tops or you know the the different products athletic apparel use your negatives to help filter your shopping campaigns so they can be very very strong um, obviously you're going to kind of have your universal negatives across the board which are going to be applied at you know the account level but you should look to add specific campaign negatives and ad group negatives as well so that way that the products are showing are only the products that you want them to I think that's something that um, a lot of retailers are doing. I don't know if they're doing it as well. So take a look at your search terms, dive in there, see what, um, what search queries you're showing up for that you don't want to, and just go ahead and negate them right away. I would say that should be something that you should move on sooner rather than later. And then go ahead and look to do some audience testing, you know, with uh, the different audiences that AdWords kind of builds in, uh, your all visitors, your shopping cart visitors, your shopping cart abandoners. Um, really take advantage of those audiences that are created and do some audience testing. You know, you, you might come up with your own bid modifiers, but you know, generally you'll bid more on, on the bottom of funnel users and people that are just all visitors. 
So someone who navigated to the shopping cart but didn't complete a purchase, you know, maybe try increasing your bids 50% or something like that. If you have a lot of repeat visitors, then definitely leverage those audience as well. So someone who purchased in the last 30 days, you know, maybe you increase the bids there. If, if people are coming back and they're purchasing once or twice a month, if it's some of those uh, kind of products that people reorder frequently. Uh, but yeah, I would say explore audience bidding for sure. Uh, work with your either in-house team or your analytics team to set up some deeper audience as well. The CR team is doing a lot of cool stuff with user scoring and you know, I know there's some great blogs on the site that people can check out. And then uh, yeah, definitely take a look at um, your device bids as well and those negatives that I mentioned before. Nice. That's three fantastic uh, tips to, to leave everyone with. So yeah, man, thanks again for, for coming on. Where can people you know, reach out to you, follow up with you if you have questions? Like where can they uh, find you online? Sure. So um, on LinkedIn, I'm just Nate Velasquez. Feel free to, to send me an invite. On Twitter, um, I'm at Nasi Vela. So I'm definitely going to warn everyone. It's about 50% PPC, about 50% everyone else. So if you're cool with that, feel free to follow me and uh, you know, we can talk. <laughs> nice. And I'll be sure to uh, link those in the, the, uh, the show notes. So yeah. So thanks again, everyone for, for listening. Uh, Nate uh, definitely had some great, great tips here for those running some e-commerce campaigns and really getting into those shopping campaigns. So thanks again, Nate, for coming on and uh, working with us and helping us figure out some of the ins and outs of shopping campaigns. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, JD. All right. Until next time, we'll see you guys next week.